what your financial advisor typically has is what they call a suitability standard. The suitability standard requires investment advisors to recommend investments that are just suitable for the client. Welcome back to the Investing with Purpose podcast, where we explore the intersection of success and significance. We discuss alternative investment options from our experience buying hundreds of millions of dollars worth of real estate, but most importantly, how we're using that business to impact people in a positive way to leave a legacy that matters. Let's get after it. All right, purpose-driven investors, welcome back to the Investing with Purpose podcast. My name is Steve Lipman. I'm your host. Thanks for joining me again. Today, I'm going to air out a couple of grievances and... Certainly not bad-mouthing an entire industry of people, but let me give you some context as to what is going on while we're bringing investors in over the last couple of weeks. I've had no less than five conversations with clients who have called their financial advisor, their historically stock bond mutual fund investors, and that's okay. That's what most of us have been trained to do. If you've heard the story before, my dad passed away after he lost about half of his savings in the stock market in the crash of 2007, didn't live long enough to get that money back. So we started looking for what are less volatile asset classes. And the data is overwhelming that real estate is less volatile than the stock market and produces better returns. You can check out the CAGR.com. You can check out all kinds of multifamily investing websites. You could check out and what those things look like. You could make data look like whatever you want over a period of time. But over the last 40 years, real estate beat the S&P 500 by almost two to one. Okay. So, and all real estate is not created equal, right? We're not talking about 2007, 2008 real estate crash. That was predicated on a 4.5% to 5.5% mortgage default rate in the residential sector, which meant 45 to 5.5% of people defaulted on their mortgage. That's what created the crisis of 2007, 2008, because banks were over leveraged on bad loans. That's not what's happening right now into this recession. Right now we're dealing with post-COVID information, which is office and retail is significantly down. Multifamily housing during that same span of 2007, 2008 had a 0.4% mortgage default rate. Pretty significantly different, right? So anyway, back to financial advisors. So these guys talking to their clients, they're excited about investing in real estate. They've seen the offering, they've seen the pitch, they, they want to jump in with us with at least a portion of their finances. And they go to their financial advisor at Wells Fargo, Fidelity, Raymond James, you name it, right? I want to make a caveat real quick is that registered investment advisors are not financial advisors. So I'll explain the difference in just a minute. But my clients are going to their financial advisors and they're saying, hey, we found this deal. We want to invest with this operator that we know, like, and trust. And we need to take 100 grand out, 200 grand out, 500 grand out, whatever it is. What is the first thing that they say? Let me talk to the operator. Let me review the investment thesis. They don't do that. They say, that sounds risky. I don't think you should do that. And here's why, or here's why. And I literally had a client that lost over $100,000 in their portfolio over the last 12 months. And somehow the financial advisor was justifying how that was a better return than what they were going to make with us. And, you know, it's just shocking to me. So a couple of things that I take issue with. One, this is your money. You've worked hard for it. You have put it in the trust of this financial advisor and have them make some decisions for you. And it's yours to take out if you so choose, right? So when the financial advisor says it's risky, but they haven't reviewed the investment itself, I take issue with that, right? I would never give somebody advice based on something that I haven't seen before. And begs the question, well, why would they do that? 
Let me give you a quick synopsis as to how financial advisors make money. One, assets under management, right? If you go on your statement right now, you can see that you pay a management fee to them. It's typically one to 3%, depending on what you're in and how much money you have with them. They make that 1%, whether you're making money or you're losing money. And that is just the way that the financial industry is set up, right? I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong. It's just how it is. And you can look on your statement. It's fully disclosed there. If you don't know what it is, you should go take a look and see how much they're charging you because even when you're losing money, those fees stay the same. The other way that they make money is commissions based on front-loaded funds. So if they get a new fund that Fidelity wants them to push out, they'll say, hey, here's this great new asset. You make this commission on it when you sell, which is fine. It just might not be in your best interest, right? I mean, how do they know what's in your best interest or not? Here's the most shocking thing. They do not have a fiduciary responsibility to you as the investor. Let me give you what the fiduciary meaning is. So when someone has a fiduciary duty to somebody else, that person with the duty must act in a way that will benefit someone else financially. Now, what RIAs do, which is registered investment advisor, is they have a fiduciary responsibility to you. So they have to give you an idea of what is in your best interest. Now, your financial advisor typically has is what they call a suitability standard, right? The suitability standard requires investment advisors to recommend investments that are just suitable for the client. They're not required to act in the best interest of the client, whereas a fiduciary is required to place the client's interests ahead of their own. Isn't that crazy? We are being sold by these financial advisors that they have the best interests of yours at heart, but they are not required to by law, right? So the suitability standard just means, is this a suitable investment for that particular client? So I take issue with that. What else? The final thing that I take issue with is this whole idea of what they call selling away. So I had one investment advisor call their client up and say, hey, I want to get on the phone with this guy. I want to understand the investment, which I thought was super interesting because in 15 years of doing this business, I've never heard a financial advisor tell me that they wanted to get on the call with me that wasn't a registered investment advisor. So my first question was, awesome. I'm so grateful that you want to review the investment with your client and myself. Are you a registered investment advisor? And he said, no, I'm not. I'm a financial advisor. I said, okay. So if we get on the phone and we talk about what this investment is and we decide that you like it, your client likes it, I like it, are you allowed to tell them, meaning their client, that this is a good financial decision for them and that they should invest with my company? Now, I was asking a loaded question because I know the answer to this question and you may not. So there is something called selling away in the securities world. Selling away simply means that if I work for Fidelity, I am only allowed to sell Fidelity products. Whatever Fidelity has said I'm allowed to sell is the only thing I could sell. So everybody was asking me, why doesn't my financial advisor tell me to go invest with you guys? It's illegal. The financial lobby is so strong that they literally made it illegal. Your advisor would lose their license if they referred you to me. Now, why is that fair? And why is that not suspect to a lot of people? And a lot of people say that it's for the reason and there's a good argument to be made. A lot of people say, well, Fidelity is the one who's culpable and liable for giving products to their clients. So they have to vet those products. Perfect. That's fine. So they've vetted Blackstone. They haven't vetted me. So they can't tell you to invest with me. No problem. 
The flip side of that same coin, though, is that if they get on the phone with me and they ask me what my investment thesis is and they go through the deals and things like that, at the end of the conversation, they can't recommend to their client that they invest with me. So what they're doing is getting on the phone to make it look like to the client they're serving in their best interest as a fiduciary. But what they're actually doing is hearing what I have to say so that they could tell their client where they believe the risk lies and why they don't think they should invest. And that's exactly what happened with this call with the investment advisor. So the first thing I asked him was, can you advise your client to invest with me if you like the idea? And he said, well, no, not really. I said, okay, can you explain to me why? And can you explain to your client why? So he went through the whole selling away thing. And I said, okay, well, I find it interesting that you wanted to take the time to take a call with me to discuss the investment. When at the end of the day, the only thing you can tell them is not to invest. with. So now the client's on the same page. I'm on the same page. That client did indeed end up investing with us. But it's just this game of smoke and mirrors where they present themselves in a way, and I'm not saying that everybody does this, but it is counterintuitive to believe that they're going to go against a self-serving nature, right? If $100,000 leaves the firm to come invest with me and they're charging a 1% fee, that's $1,000 a year that they don't make in fees, right? So their whole goal is to make sure that money doesn't leave the institution and they keep that asset under management. So it's interesting because I think there's like trillions of dollars invested with these financial advisors, but not registered investment advisors. So I've just been going through these conversations with a bunch of my clients and they're seeing that their financial advisors consistently say the same thing. This is risky. You shouldn't do it. And this is why. So now I have to have this conversation that your financial advisor is not looking out necessarily for your best interest. And that's hard to hear after you've been with a financial advisor for 10, 15, 20 years. You consider them a family friend. They go to your weddings. They go to your funerals. They're with your family. They take you out to dinners. You know, so I'm not saying that there is no relationship there, but the industry, these guys aren't necessarily at fault. The industry has made it so that they cannot legally tell you what they think about an investment. All right. And the last thing I'm going to leave you with is this. I've had a real estate agent license. I've had a real estate broker's license. I've had mortgage licenses in the past. I have gone through four years of college. We have now run a fund. We have SEC regulations. Typically, financial advisors, they spend the same amount of time getting their securities license as a real estate agent does getting their real estate license. That's not to knock you real estate agents out there. I know you're fantastic and you do a great job. My point is that I would take advice on a neighborhood from a real estate agent. Am I going to take advice for my retirement and my kid's legacy from somebody that spent the same amount of time getting a license as my real estate agent, right? So most of these folks, and you can go and ask your investment advisor and you can comment below and you can let me know how wrong I am because I would love to hear it. Ask them what their degree was in. Ask them how they got into the financial services industry. It's a sales role. People are hired into that role out of college because it's a sales role. They have to go build a book of business. They have to cold call a million people and get a million no's before somebody says, yes, I'll meet with you and we can talk about what kind of assets you can provide me for my investment goals. I learned a long time ago to stop taking financial advice from my broke friends. I would suggest you do the same thing. I do not allow anybody to take a meeting with me that wants to manage my money that has a lower net worth than I do. So every time somebody calls me up and says, hey, what are you doing managing your investments? I tell them I'm a real estate guy. I have most of my money in real estate. And they say, well, we'd love to meet with you to talk about insurances and like 529 plans and mutual funds and stocks and bonds. And I say, awesome. If you want to get, take that meeting, I need to see your personal financial statement or PFS. And they always pause. Like, what do you mean? So, well, if you're going to be giving me advice on how I should manage my money, I want to make sure that you are managing your money better than I am and you have a higher net worth than I do.
Nobody has ever sent me their PFS yet, and I'm not going to speculate as to why, but these are just some really interesting things that I think the world needs to be aware of. And this is all information that's verifiable. So please go on the internet, do your research, talk about RIAs, fiduciary, non-fiduciary, suitability factors, selling away, all of these things that we just talked about, right? Because it's really important to understand who's managing your money and who's giving you advice. And if you're going to take control of your financial future, you need to know these things because I think a lot of times we are taught to go to work, get a good job, stuff money into a 401k and pray that at the end of our life, we could start taking enough money out of our retirement account so that we can live. I don't want you guys to live. I want you guys to thrive. This is why I've surrounded myself with people that are doing it better, smarter, further along than I am and ask them, what are they doing? And very few of them say they have a financial advisor at Wells Fargo or Fidelity that they're listening to 100% of the time. I'm not saying to all or nothing. I'm just saying be aware of these specific factors because they can really help you make long-term decisions or stop you from making helpful long-term decisions. Because at the end of the day, you are the only one that's responsible for your money. I realized this a long time ago that nobody was going to try to get me to retirement more than I was. So I decided to take control of my future and learn more about this stuff. So anyway, that's it for me. Thanks for tuning in to Investing With Purpose. Promise we're going to get back more on the purpose-driven path, but this was just something that stuck out to me this week and thought you guys should hear about it. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Investing With Purpose podcast. If you're finding value, would you leave us a review and share this with your friends? And go to investingwithpurpose.org to learn more about how to partner with us and to learn more about the nonprofits that we support around the world.